This is Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Welcome to the weekly top three, the top three things on our mind here at Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets for the week of June 14th, 2021. The weekly top three is a regular segment on the Michael Duke Show. The show broadcasts on Facebook Live and via streaming audio from the show's website weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. I join Michael weekly in the first hour of Tuesday's show from 6.25 to 7 a.m. for a discussion between the two of us about our three issues. We post the podcast of our discussion following the show on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify pages, also on the Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets website, as well as the projects page on national blog site, medium.com. You can find past episodes of the weekly top three also at the same locations. Keep in mind that in addition to these podcasts, during the week, you also can follow and participate in the discussion with us of these and other issues affecting Alaska's fiscal and economic condition by following us on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook page and through our posts on Twitter. This week, our top three issues are these. First, we examine what's going on with the budget and how, in our view, the legislature should respond to the conference committee proposal. Second, we discuss what the governor needs to do to save the PFD. Third, we explain why Representative Sarah Rasmussen's latest effort to rationalize PFD cuts fails. And now, let's join Michael. Let's um, let's take a look at what's going on here, Brad. Of course, first and foremost, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what the weekly top three is going to be composed of. Uh, number one on the deal is, of course... The conference committee and this year's budget, which is like, you know, round of, you know, <laughs> what is it? Buffalo girls go around the outside. It just seems like over and over again, it's the same thing. Here we are, the conference committee and this year's budget with number one. Take it away. Well, I think, I think this is a great example of how broken uh, the system uh, has become. Uh, for Bert to resort to these sorts of tricks um to try to to try to you know force people bully bully people uh as the juno empire puts it uh into uh supporting a budget uh i think is is you know it just just shows how broken we've become um and i think frankly it may be a great setup to the august session uh for me if it were me if i were voting i would vote against the budget and i would and i certainly would vote against the cbr um uh and and just let the damn thing fall apart uh and then fix it um it you know people say well it's not going to fund if you don't vote for the cbr it's not going to fund pce uh it's not going to vote high it's not going to fund higher education uh that's wrong the money's there right the money the money is in the is is in those accounts to do that it will move if you if we don't do the reverse sweep if we don't do the cbr vote it will move from the, the accounts it's currently in, the sub-accounts it's currently in, into the CBR, but the money will be there. And, and we, can, we can easily fix this uh, in, a, in a subsequent budget, uh, if, if this budget were to fail, or we can easily fix it in the August session um, uh, if this budget passes but the CBR uh, vote doesn't. We can easily fix it in the August session by taking the money out of the CBR where it will be, and fund PCE and fund 
uh, uh, higher education. So those who run around saying, oh, my God, you know, the sky's going to fall. We're not going to have PCE. We're not going to have higher education. That's just wrong. The money's not going anyplace other than into the CBR. It's not disappearing into the ether. It's going to be there to uh, there to use. But what happens what happens if we just reject Burt's trick? Um, and 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 reject this this vote on the CBR and and deal with it in the August session, is then you've got people who are interested in finally uh, 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 dealing with the PFD firmly, finally dealing with the PFD. You've got you've got people who now have come to the table to firmly and finally permanently deal with PCE because they've seen how easily it can fall apart. Right. You, you've got people who are concerned about the higher education fund who come to the table because they want some resolution on that as well. So you've got all these broken pieces laying around, uh, and I think you can put together a package from that. Now, the governor has to be part of that, and we'll talk about that in the second segment, and he needs to talk about it when he comes on uh, at 730. But, uh, but, but you're going to have these pieces that are laying around that you can then – put a full package together. We need to show how badly this system is broken by by defeating the CBR draw uh, and show how badly the system is broken so that people understand how badly it's broken and then put pressure on legislators to fix it in the August session. You can say a lot of things about uh, about Bert Stedman, but he's a wily one for sure. They put so many different hooks into this thing, including tying effective dates for government shutdowns, tying all these different programs into it and everything else. He is setting up the Republican minority at this point to fail and take the fall for anything. I mean, this is a serious bout of, this is just not arm twisting. This is, this is bullying. This is blackmail. You you will do it or we will blame you for government shutdowns, loss of the PCE and, 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 you know, scholarships and all this other kind of stuff. He's going to try and lay all this stuff at the feet. Uh, uh, meanwhile, crying crocodile tears over the $16 billion that was spent. I had to, there's a, in the ADN, it, it uh, quotes that uh, about the fact that they spent $16 billion and how, oh, he's so bereaved by it. He was one of the major architects of spending the $16 billion. I I have no sympathy for this guy at all. Well, what Republicans, what 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 the Republicans who will vote against the CBR uh, and the governor need to be very good at this time is 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 explaining what they're doing and why they're doing. What Burt's done is put a bunch of poison pills uh, in into the CBR, uh, and and he's made you know to to vote for those things you have to swallow an eleven hundred dollar dividend. You have to you're, you have to swallow. Uh, a, a, a huge tax on middle and lower income Alaska families. You have to suffer the worst option using the worst option for the Alaska economy uh, in order to balance the budget. And Republicans who vote against the CBR and the governor who who hopefully will take a stand against the CBR need to be very good at articulating that they're not against these things. They're not against PCE. They're not against the higher education fund. Uh, they're not against the other things that are funded uh, uh, by the reverse sweep, but we need to fix the overall system, and we're not and we're not getting the overall system fixed uh, the way we're going. So in the August session, we're going to fix these things. That's what that's what we're going to come come together and do in the August session. And people and parents who are worried about college scholarship funds or uh, uh, rural uh, uh, Bush legislators or Bush residents who are concerned about PCE. 
don't need to be worried about it. We're going to get it fixed. But we, we, we need to stop using this tool that Bert wants to use of cutting the cutting the PFD, having the worst effect on overall Alaska on, on Alaska families and the overall economy. We need to stop using that tool, and we need to get all of this stuff uh, uh, fixed at once. The uh, I, I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. I mean, this is like they're offering you the choice of a poo sandwich or a poo milkshake, and then they're gonna they're gonna point at you and say, "Look, they didn't take any one of our valid choices." And you're like, "Wait, all the choices are poo. What is that? You know, th- there is no there is no win win. There is it's all lose lose at this point. So what you know what does it afford us? We should just blow it up. I mean, if we voted, if, if they vote no on the budget and no on the CBR draw, this whole thing goes back to the drawing board, and they have have to reorganize the committee and they blow up the committee members and they bring in new ones they bring new ones in i mean i think at this point that's the best solution that you've got going on even if it does lead to a government shutdown what do you think yeah that's a, that's a if we if if the budget blows up and they have to appoint new committee members that's gonna be a very good question for machiki on uh, on thursday about who he's going to appoint uh, as as the new uh, as the new committee members, you would have a very different conference committee if you had Lyman uh, as as a co chair uh, of that committee. And on the House side, um, uh, Bart Lebon said something that was just fascinating. I, I can't remember which publication uh, it's in. Maybe the Juno. No, it's Becky Bohr's article, uh, the AP writer's article, uh, and that shows up in several publications. But Laban said something like, well, this isn't this may not be the caucus position that I voted on. This is probably more my personal position right. uh, that I voted on right. in the conference committee. So you get rid of Laban. And then the question to Kathy Tilton is, who who is who are you going to put up as as your conference committee members? I mean, the the, the leadership the leadership of the Senate and the leadership of the House putting these people on the conference committee, uh, or the minority uh, in the case of the House putting Bart on the on the committee, uh, they're they bear some of the responsibility for this. I mean, they oh, absolutely they they decide who goes on the committee. So right, um, all yeah, you had blow to do- up the committee up the committee and, and then who are you going to put on to replace these people yeah all you had to do is look at the makeup of the committee initially and realize that five of the six were were had been anti-pfd from the beginning they initially had steve thompson on there who's no friend of the pfd and then bart lebon i mean i don't know what kathy tilton was thinking you know machiki putting on stedman and and bishop i mean where are the rest where's the other viewpoints here i mean i think it's time to blow it up and bring in a new conference committee is it you know is it hughes is it hughes and hoffman is it you know who is it i mean who the minority how about willikowski hughes and hoffman i mean you want to talk about uh, some dynamite in there that would fix some of that and yeah why does it have to be why would you put on the most you know squidgy uh, house republican minority member into the into this committee to begin with it's it's mind-blowing of what's going on but uh i'm 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 I quite honestly would vote no and no on this just to see where the chips lie because we need to get a fresh start. Yeah, and all the pieces are there, Michael. As I say, I mean, the the the, the thing that always irritates me is people say, "Well, if you don't do the reverse draw, then all of this, all of these programs fall away." No, they don't. The funding is there. What falls away is the segmented dollars, is the is the funds that have been set aside, the designated funds. Uh, that have been set aside, those fall away. But the dollars come back into the CBR. The dollars are still there. The dollars can be still used to use those fund programs. Part of what BERT does, part part of what uh, the committees have always done 
uh, is they have tied the funding of these programs to these designated accounts, sub-accounts that are set up uh, uh, off to the side that contain the PCE funds and the and the higher education funds. And so the budget says you will fund this program from this sub-account. Makes sense when you have the sub-account set up. But, but there's no magic about that. You can say, as, they, as they've been doing with the PFD, you can say, we're going to fund this, we're going to fund the PCE out of the CBR, or we're going to fund this, the, the PCE, out of, out of the SBR or out of, out of some other fund. There's no magic of saying they have to, that, that they can only be tied to, to certain sub-accounts. So, you know, as long as the dollars don't go away, and they don't, these programs can continue. But, but we, we, we've got a wrecked system. We've got a system yeah. that continues to produce these, these PFD cuts, largest adverse impact on the overall economy, largest adverse impact on Alaska families. Um, uh, and we've got this wrecked system, and we need to fix the system. And part of fixing the system is, go, is, is sort of blowing it up, having the pieces lay on the floor, and then put the pieces back together again in a much more equitable much more uh, uh, balanced uh, approach going forward. Lyman Hoffman is the 40-year CPA that's the actual weasel in the woodpile sitting on the finance for decades. Lyman and Bird are conjoined at the wallet uh, pocket. Uh, although I think in this case, uh, Lyman might actually jump uh, for his own self-interest on this because, again, uh, PCE and everything else, I mean, that's his baby. He would do that just to – that's why he's jumping on this SGR6 thing, right, Brad? He wants to put that to bed. Exactly right, and and one of the reasons to blow up the CBR is to make sure that he stays a part of the solution. Make sure that Neil stays part of the solution. I mean, Neil Foster uh, indicated that he that he prioritizes the uh, the PFD, but but he's he's more focused on the uh, on the PCE as well. And maybe bring maybe bring uh, uh, Edgman into the discussion uh, if you blow up the PCE. I'm, it's it's I, that's. To me, blowing up the PCE and making it part of the August session is a key part of this uh, because you need those people, you need the people who are focused on the PCE to work on the solution also. I, I think the governor was brilliant, frankly, in bringing Lyman into SJR 6 by including the PSC. I think that's a brilliant move to, to align those two together. And I think uh, uh, keeping the PCE uh, as one of the pieces that needs to be put back together uh, is an important key to the August August session to uh, to get this thing resolved. Well, I mean, at that point, it is more leverage, right? I mean, we got the reverse sweep as leverage overall, but the PCE is the biggest component of it, so it actually gives you a little bit more finite leverage if you're bringing those people on board. And we've already seen it. I mean, you know, we already saw that it kind of gave these guys some political cover, uh, Neil Foster and everything, voting against it, you know, knowing that they could and it would still pass. Uh, it's really kind of, again, more political machination is what I'm seeing anyway. Uh, I mean, Neil wants to protect the PCE and he wants to be able to go back to his district and say, see, I voted against this. But at the same time, you know, being able to, to be part of the process in putting this forward. Yeah, but if you blow up the PCE, Neil's going to get engaged uh, uh, in, in a much more serious way uh, in, in putting Humpty Dumpty uh, back together again uh, because he because PCE is important um uh to that district uh and and is a is a piece of uh is a is a piece of neil's base so it's pfd if it were only pfd i mean 
what we've done in the past is is because PCE has been safe because there's always been the reverse sweep. Uh, you can talk a good game on the PFD, but you've really protected the thing that's most important to you. Now, if you if you blow up if you blow up PCE, and there's school reimbursement funds in there also, which will be somewhat significant to that district. Uh, if you if you blow those things up so that you have to put them back together again in August. Um, uh, that may, I think that brings Neil to, to the table in a, in a substantive way, as well as in a, uh, as in a face saving way. Right. Jimmy says, what would we be discussing if the PFD was safe? What would we be discussing? I think we'd be discussing the real problem, which is the size and scope of government. If the PFD was off the table and the PCE was enshrined and all this other kind of stuff, we would have to face the truth that we are spending more than we take in as a government. And I think we'd have to have those hard conversations, which seems to be everything that they're trying to avoid right now, Brad. Yeah, exactly right, Michael. If the PFD was safe, we we would be having we would have to have new revenues, which is going to be the discussion in the second segment for for the current size budget. You have to have you have to have new revenues. If those new revenues were spread broadly, so that each Alaska family uh, had skin in the game, I think you would see pressure uh, to reduce uh, spending. And then the discussion would be, well, where can we reduce spending to get my taxes down? Um, and and that's the discussion. That's the discussion we will move to. But as long as they've got the safety valve of using the PFD, which slides all these costs off on middle and lower income Alaska families, and the top twenty percent is safe, as long as they've got the PFD to use, um, uh, that we we won't have those discussions because right. the top twenty percent will keep saying, "I don't care, keep spending." Right. Exactly. Chris also says we could fix our totally broken education system where we're last in the nation. That'd be a good place to start. Those are the issues that could be brought up if the PFD was off the table and all these other distractions were out of the way. We could focus on those kind of things for sure. Uh, let's get a tease for number two on this, Brad. Number two, of course, is what will it take from the governor to push this thing forward? Yeah. Now, and this is going to be the key. The governor's got to come to the table with revenues. Uh, 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 Matt uh, Buxton in Midnight Sun has a great piece both on Saturday and then he published another one on yesterday that explains that it, the one yesterday essentially argued that the governor has the resolution of this problem in his hands. He, he's the one who controls whether there's going to be a PFD, but, he, but, but the, his anti-end of the game has to be to have revenues, to, to propose revenues. And it may not be the revenues that are ultimately agreed to, but he has to be—he has to open up that discussion on revenues, um, and and so that's that's number two. We have to talk about what the governor has to bring to the game. Continuing now with Brad Keithley, Alaska's for sustainable budgets. It's the weekly top three. We're into number two, which is what the governor must do uh, to try and combat some of the chicanery that's going on in the conference committee. Brad, you had some ideas and of course this is going to require a group effort, but the governor's got to lead the way on this stuff. The governor's got to, the governor's got to be a participant in it, Michael. And, 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 and for those who haven't read Matt Buxton's midnight sun, uh, column, uh, of yesterday, it does, it does, um, <laughs> it actually repeats a lot of the arguments that, that I've been making along the way. Um, and so it is a, is a good way, good piece that I think summarizes uh, uh, where we are. You, you know, it, it was one thing a year ago when everybody said, oh, we're just going to cut our way out of this. Uh, and the solution to this is just cut spending, and that's how we're going to save the PFD. But we're a year later 
And Mike Shower and Shelly Hughes, not just me, not just you, but Mike Shower and Shelly Hughes and David Wilson, you know, the Valley Senate delegation, have said it's going to take revenues. It's going to take revenues to uh, to be part of the conversation. But the legislature, here's, here's, the, here's the crux of the problem. The legislature isn't going to move forward on revenues uh, without the governor. The reason they aren't, and Matt Buxton has it has it nailed perfectly, the reason they aren't is they aren't going to stick their necks out to go forward on revenues with the governor sitting there with a veto pen and in an election year able to say, I vetoed new revenues, you know, uh, that's my campaign pitch. We, we've got, to, if we're going to get serious about resolving this, the governor's going to have to be part of the conversation on new revenues and his ante into the game. His indication that he's going to be serious about it is putting his own proposal on new revenues on the table as part of the August session, not sitting there and saying, as he has the last year, sitting there and saying, well, yeah, it's up to the legislature. Legislature needs to propose it, uh, and then we'll consider it. The governor needs to ante into the game by coming forward with his own with his own proposal on new revenues. Now, I'm not going to like it. I, I mean, I know what it's going to be. It's going to be sales taxes. Sales taxes are regressive. They have the they have the second largest adverse impact on middle and lower income Alaska families of all of the options. ICER said that as far back as 2016. I'm not going to like what he comes forward with. I'm going to complain about it. But he has to come forward with something to ante into the game to show that he's serious right. about becoming part of the discussion on revenues. Right. And it's not just me. It's David Wilson, Shelley Hughes, and Mike Shower that have all said revenues need to be need to be part of this discussion. Forget right. Bert Stedman, forget everybody else. Mike Shower, Shelley Hughes, David Wilson have all said that, that revenues need to be part of the discussion. So what does the governor have to do? If if the the governor has to show he's serious, the governor has to has to ante into the game. Uh, and then we can debate what kind of revenues uh, we're going to come up with. And I may lose. I may my favorite may not may not be may not be uh, uh, adopted. But it's going to be better than the most regressive revenue measure, which we're using right now, which is uh, uh, the PFD cuts, which have the largest adverse impact on the Alaska economy and middle and lower income Alaska families. The governor to to prove he's serious to move this thing forward, to make the August session, to give it a chance of success, the governor has to come forward uh, and put uh, put a proposal on the table. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, Matt, Bux, Matt, Matt Buxton concludes, and frankly, I'm going to conclude that the governor's not serious about this. The governor really doesn't want to save the PFD, really doesn't want to move this ball forward because he's not, he's not anteing uh, into the game. He's not contributing uh, his proposal into the game. He's lying back in the weeds and 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 just letting it all fall apart. Right. So, well, even Mike, the, the governor has to come forward. Even Mike Shower is again, as you said, one of the most conservative members of the entire legislature. Is brought forward these slides and everything else, talking about a combination of oil taxes and sales taxes of varying types, whether it's the Dakota model or the Wyoming model or whatever. I mean, they're throwing it out there, and saying, "Look, these are the options that are ahead of us. We could pick one of them, and all of them lead to a path of success if we." 
or, or you know, simply choose it. I mean, the governor, there's already some paths outlined. All he has to do is pick the one that looks the best and then move it forward as a proposal. That takes all the wind out of the sails of these people that are complaining that the governor's got no solutions. I mean, he offers a solution. He lays it out there. Shower's already done a lot of the heavy lifting. Pick one, move forward. Yeah, exactly. And and all the governor, what, what the governor's going to have to deal with once he does that he's, is he's going to have to deal with Natasha's argument that 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 all we're doing is taxing to pay the PFD. That's not true. We all know it's not true. We all know that 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 PFD cuts are the worst option. All we're doing is using a better option uh, than continuing to use uh, PFD cuts. We're not paying. Lyman has made clear, made clear on the floor of the of the Senate during the budget debate that that taxes are to pay for government. They're not to pay for uh, the PFD. The governor's going to have to deal with that. He he needs to get his spin machine. Dave Stearn and the others need to earn their money by 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 getting the messaging right on why Natasha's wrong. But that's where that's where the next uh, battle's going to be. And frankly, frankly, he's going to have to face that battle next year anyway when Natasha runs for governor. So so he, <laughs> he he needs to get in line. He needs to get in line with what Shower, Wilson, and Hughes have said. He needs to he needs to step up to the plate any end of the game, propose whatever he's going to propose on revenues, um, uh, sufficient revenues, uh, you know, stop, stop this, this, this fantasy land where we, where we never have to have new revenues because we're going to have $500 million in budget cuts. We aren't, or, you know, oil's going to spike to a uh, hundred dollars and, and, and production's going to go up, you know, 25%. They're not. Uh, we, we need to we need to stop living in that fantasy land. He he needs to stop live, living in that fantasy land, and become part of the game. Once that happens, I think all the other pieces can come together. If that doesn't happen, I don't think the other pieces come together, and it's the governor's fault. Yeah, that the other pieces didn't come together. Well, he's got the opportunity here. Like I said, a lot of the heavy lifting's already been done for him. He just needs to choose something and then move forward. And then the debate can continue. The real debate can continue. And I think that this definitely could be a no and no, and we could be facing a shutdown situation, which, of course, Stedman and company are going to try and spin as it's all the unreasonable Republicans in the minority and, the, and then in the Senate uh, caucus that are causing this problem, where really... It's, I mean, you know, this is, we got to call a spade a spade. This is the first time that I've seen anybody, including the Juno Empire, talking about the bullying tactics and everything else. But that's exactly what it is. You're trying to leave them with, you know, a bunch of bad choices and then say, well, we gave you choices. We can't believe you didn't choose it. It's all your fault. I mean, that's part of the problem here. Yeah, the Juno Empire is great, Michael. If, if people have access or can get access to the Juno Empire article, there, it, you don't have to read the article. It's it's the headline and the picture of Bert that really sums it up. The headline is lawmakers decry bully tactics in budget proposal, and right right above that is this picture of Bert that has this smirk on his face. You know, a, a, oh, yeah. a snidely whiplash or whatever the heck that 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 character's name was. Uh, that uh, you know, like yes, 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 I. I I've I've tried to trick everybody with uh, aren't I smart? Aren't I aren't I aren't I brilliant doing it? Yeah, it's um, uh, it it's Bert's trying to Bert's trying to control the narrative. I think the governor, I think the governor has the perfect opportunity to 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 control to to take back the narrative on this if he says the system's broken. We need to we need to put all the pieces on the table in August. 
We need to vote down the CBR. We need to make sure everything's on the table when we consider this in August so we can put the pieces back together in a, in a manner that best serves Alaskans. And I, and this is the key part, and I, the governor, am going to come to the table and I'm going to have a revenue proposal just like Mike Shower, Shelley Hughes, and David Wilson have told me I need to. I'm going to have a revenue proposal uh, in July in advance of the session uh, that I'm going to put on the table uh, and we're going to get this thing fixed. Bert only gets to control the narrative if the governor chooses not to. Right. If the governor chooses to control the narrative by coming out today and saying, vote against the CBR, we're going we're gonna to fix this thing in August, and I'm going to come to the table with the revenues. If the, governor will con- if the governor does that today and controls the narrative, Bert's face never shows up again on any of these. The governor <laughs> controls the narrative from there on in. Yeah, but the, he has to do that. This, this, this snarky look on his face is just encapsulates the whole thing for me. This just kind of smirk of, I got you. Uh, you know, I got you by the short and curlies, and that's what's going on. Uh, Brad, quickly, let, let, lay it down for me here. If this does get voted down, if both not just the CBR, but if the budget itself gets voted down and they say no and no, um, I mean, first of all, there's nothing for the governor to veto at that point. I know there's been calls for veto, but nothing has been laid before the governor, so I think it's a little premature on that. But um, what happens then? Because can we wait till August uh, for that to happen, or does another special session get instituted in July to try and get the government kickstarted? No, if 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 the if the budget itself is voted down, if there's not 21 and 11 to support the budget, we have to go straight into the next special session because because the government doesn't doesn't get funded on July 1. Now, in that special session, you can do what the what the feds do, which is a continuing resolution. Never been done for in Alaska, done before in Alaska, but there's no reason that you can't do it. You can do a continuing resolution and say we're going to continue to fund government past June, July 1st. Nobody should go, you know, state police don't have to walk off the job, for example. We're going to we're going to continue to fund government past July 1st on a continuing resolution while we get this sorted out. That's what happens if the if the budget itself is voted down. If the budget passes and, and the CBR is voted down, then we can go to August. People will kick and scream about PCE and about uh, college education, but we can fix those in August uh, and make them effective July 1. So. If the budget's voted down, immediate special session, continuing resolution. If the CBRs, if the if the budget passes, CBR is voted down. August, we we fix the problem in August. Well, uh, I'd look to see what's going on. Uh, I mean, I, I love to see what's going on, and I, I love to see where this is going. Uh, I personally would love to see a no and a no, which would mean a government shutdown, whether there is a continuing – because there is an argument to say that if there's an expectation that the budget's going to pass, the government can still operate. I know I've seen that. And if they had a continuing resolution, that would give them the cover of law to do so. Um, I kind of hate to see it because, again, it becomes an aid to kick the can down the road. But something's got to happen to break this stalemate something has got to happen to break this yeah and i and i think the cbr i think i I would if if somebody told me i could only only vote no on one i would vote no on the cbr i think i think breaking the cbr breaking pce breaking the college higher education fund and putting those in the august august session i think that's key to a long-term fix what is the possibility of them coming back 
uh, you know, voting down the CBR and then the because uh, Harold just said it, there is a possibility of them coming back in August and just gaveling in and gaveling out and going home and saying, nope, we're not going to do it because they may have the numbers to do that. Um, uh, what do you think that that has the repercussions in uh, the next election cycle? I mean, it means we wouldn't have a dividend, but I mean, what do you what do you think happens quickly? I think I think the governor just issues a new call, says we are going to do this. I mean, Alaska has a strong governor. And 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 yeah, there's a lot of tools the governor can use, and I think the governor keeps at it uh, until uh, until he gets them to uh, to address the issues. If he backs down, then things remain broken. But if he truly wants to fix this, uh, he has the tools to keep them uh, keep bringing them back until they do. Um, all right, let's move on to number three, Brad, uh, which of course is an interesting argument from Sarah Rasmussen, which basically says why she shouldn't have to pay for all the PFD, all this kind of stuff. She had this interesting, uh, uh, I mean, I couldn't even try and wrap my brain around the argument. Go ahead and, uh, and hit us with number three quickly here. Well, Sarah, Sarah Rasmussen has raised an argument I've heard before that, that the, the, the disproportionate impact on lower and middle income families that uh, that the PFD that using PFD cuts causes is justified because the bulk of government spending goes to the benefit of middle and lower income Alaska families. So it's okay to cut their revenues uh, because they're getting all these benefits of government um, uh, in exchange for those revenues. There's about 13,000 different things wrong with that argument, but the but the but the most compelling to me is this. The dollars that Sarah Rasmussen's talking about, the DHSS dollars, the Medicaid dollars that she's arguing uh, uh, benefit middle and lower, go to the benefit of middle and lower income Alaska families, such that you're justified in cutting the PFD. Those dollars don't actually go to those families. Where do those dollars, when you do dollar tracing on those dollars, where do they end up? They end up in the pockets of top 20% docs, doctors who, who provide the services, who get the money. That the that the that the government is uh, um, is is appropriating, and they end up in the in the in the coffers of the hospitals, and they end up in more in 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 higher employment, higher state uh, uh, employees uh, to administer all those programs. The lower and middle income of families families aren't getting dollars uh, out of the government; they're getting occasional services. To the extent they use Medicaid services, they're getting occasional services. Uh, out of the government, but they're not getting dollars uh, out of the government. And so it's fallacious to argue that we don't have to give them the dollars, the PFD dollars that they deserve because they're getting these occasional services uh, uh, in place of those. Uh, the dollars, they're, they're not getting the dollars. The dollars are going to the docs and to, and to state employees and to hospitals, uh, not, not to those families. So you... <laughs> You should give – it's not an argument to take money away from them, to make them pay for those services when they're not getting the dollars that are involved in those services uh, back in their pocket. You're making them pay for something. You're making – you're, you're taking money out of their pocket for something that they're not getting in return. They're not getting 
the dollars in return from from those services those dollars are going elsewhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. Chris says, we all know it's way better to pay the middleman nonprofits than get the money yourself and buy your own stuff. Come on, man. I mean, this is the government disease, right? We know better than you how to spend your money. And of course, we'll do it to you in the way of services or whatever. You don't need that. We'll handle that for you. And that is the main problem here. Final thoughts, Brad Keithley, 30 seconds here. Michael, you've got a big conversation coming up with the governor at 730 I hope to heck I hope to heck he's going to be on message. Uh, it's it's in his hands to move this process forward. If he says I'm ready to discuss revenues, I'm going to have a revenue proposal. Then then we've got a game in August. We're gonna we're gonna put these pieces back together. If he's if he's still hesitant to do that, if he's still not doing that, I, I would if I were you, I would beat on him about it because. Yeah. If he doesn't ante into the game, he's not going to be part of it. Yeah, no, I agree totally. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you coming on board uh, and talking with us today. Uh, we look forward to seeing what happens later on. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Appreciate you uh, coming into the program. Well, that's a wrap for another week's edition of the Weekly Top 3 from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you again for joining us. Remember that you can find past episodes on our YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify pages, and keep track of us during the week on Facebook and Twitter. This has been Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We look forward to you joining us again next week on the Weekly Top 3.